Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today with Lisa Backus of Design Bar Detroit. Thank you for being here, Lisa. Thank you. So Lisa, basically every one of my guests are just people who have like randomly reached out to me through Instagram. So I have to reel that in though, because if I start just getting random messages every day, then I'm never going to have, I won't be able to get anything else done. But um, you reached out because you started your own business around the same time that I did. And then I was obviously creeping you on your website and I've learned that you did actually work in it. So well, first of all, you did go to school yes. and yeah. you did work for a firm before starting your own. So Correct. why don't you tell everybody the whole story? Like, you know, what, where, where did you find your love of interior design? How did you even know you could do that? Cause I never had no clue. Sure. That's everything. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you too, when exactly, I was trying to figure out when exactly was the launch of your business. Uh, April 2017. Okay. That's a lie. That's a lie. 16, 2016. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm a liar. So yeah, um, yeah. I, a year behind you. So it's three years this month, actually. Okay. So I'm kind of at that year and a half mark. Almost. Okay. Yes, that makes sense. Um, All right. So tell us, tell us, yeah, what's, what's the deal? How, what got you into design? So I think what truly got me, I was one of those people that knew from a super young age. I think I was in possibly late elementary school, middle school. I think I was affected by whatever sort of like HGTV trading spaces type show was on at the time (laughs) um, back in the 90s. And also, and I've heard some friends say this as well, um, The Sims. I was always in there building the houses and not quite playing the game. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not super familiar. I, I know what the Sims in, Sims is, but and I feel like I've also heard that from someone on yeah. a podcast before too. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yes. So I think it was something at some point my mom, and I very much use the term decorator at that point. Um, and I think my mom sort of pointed out where she was like, you know, this could, this is something you can do. Like this is a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of just went down that path from a very young age. I think I took my first drafting class in middle school. Really? Yes. That's <laughs> I amazing. think we were just drafting rectangles, but <laughs> you know, I think we had a T-square and I don't know, very simple things, but that's when I started that. And then I was lucky enough to have a high school that had um, kind of like a specialized, it was a separate building that you would take a bus to for a two to three hour block class. And they offered, it was like an architectural technology class. And that's when I started learning CAD um, in high school. And actually, is CAD what you, because I was looking at your portfolio and you have a few like drawings in there. Is, are those all CAD? I think you're probably seeing SketchUp. I'm, okay, yeah. I was wondering. And then some of them look a little bit like you converted them to look a little bit like drawing slash like uh, color. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. I'm starting to learn SketchUp and it was going so well. And then now I'm just like, Oh my God. So overwhelmed. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So sorry, before we move on, what, what made you change from CAD to SketchUp? Um, I think for me, I'm not, I'm technical minded to an extent, but I'm not extremely technical minded. Okay. Um, so I, I still use CAD. I use both, I guess I use CAD for my layouts for whatever, I might be creating more work for myself in that way. Um, but I, I do use it for certain like detailed sections and elevations and floor plans. And then I use SketchUp to do to me what feels like a quicker, kind of easy way to crank out a 3D representation and be able to show like live that isometric view and rotate around um, with clients. And did you teach yourself SketchUp after you learned CAD or what was that? I learned SketchUp on the job. Um, It's not something I learned in school. I actually learned Revit in design school Mm -hmm. at Michigan State. So that was the program I was very familiar with out of the gate from college. 
but I found in the workplace, no one had quite caught up to Revit yet. Like we were almost too ahead of the curve on that one, at least when I was entering the workplace. Yeah. And both firms that I worked for were very SketchUp driven. Okay. So you basically learned it on the job. Yes. But I think I was able to, since I had the Revit background, it had certain parallels that I was able to catch on to pretty quickly. Right. Okay. So yeah, you, you went to, um, you learned CAD in middle school. Is that what you said? My high school is when I started learning CAD. Right. Wow. That's crazy. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So then, so first of all, it's amazing that your mother was able to call that out for you. Yeah. Because literally the idea of doing this for a career was not even in the realm of my brain until like, probably seven years ago when someone planted the seed, which is so bizarre to me, but so that's amazing. And then, so what happened next? So then what did happen next? Um, Started touring a couple local schools. I knew I wanted to stay in Michigan for school. Um, So we kind of weeded out which ones were accredited, which was, I think, CIDR or CIDA at the time might now be FIDR. Okay. Um, They've changed the acronym. So I don't even know if I'm up to date on that, but um, so we kind of weeded out the accredited interior design schools and Michigan state was one of the top runners at the time locally. So that's what we shot for. (laughs) So you did go to Michigan state. And so do you have um, like a degree now or? Yes. Okay. Okay. And then from there, so you graduate from Michigan state and then what, where, like, did you get a job fairly quickly? Were you an intern? Um, I, I interned during college for, um, a small residential kind of single woman owner, um, situation. So that was my internship experience. And then I was very, I became very set on going into the commercial side of design. Um, I also have a love for fashion. So I think in my head, that was my way to sort of pair. I wanted to do retail design. So it had these influences, maybe work on clothing stores. Um, And during college, I started finding some specific retail design magazines and publications. And they put out their kind of like interior design magazine does like their top 100 list. And I found that two pretty large player firms, um, were based in Michigan, which was kind of shocking to me, but I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so that what that became my goal was to work for one of the two. I ended up working a stint at both. Oh my God. Were you good for you from, I would have been like, no, I'm not good enough. <laughs> so were you scared? Like you, did you just immediately like call them out? Um, you saw them, you noted them. Did you apply right away or did you mentally think like, okay, I'm going to build up to this. Like, what was your approach? I think I started building up to it while I was in college. Um, and this probably plays into kind of my, like my approaching you and asking um, to be on the podcast. I think I have always had this mindset of the worst that can happen is somebody says no or doesn't respond. So yeah. I always just kind of ask the question. And during college, um, we had an interior design student organization that I was president of my senior year. And we would bring in monthly speakers. So strategically in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to get some monthly speakers from these firms that I want to work for and start to build that connection. That's freaking genius. And it worked. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So, so right after you graduated, did you end up working for one of those? I did. There was a little bit, a couple month gap maybe because the year that I graduated uh, was 2010 and that was kind of just coming out of the down economic downturn. So I think if I remember correctly, I was one of the first hires that this firm had hired since the actual downturn. So they were kind of many people were they employing? I think at the time I might've been like the seventh person. Wow. Um, And I think they might've made some, they might've had some layoffs like during the 2008 kind of, Mm-hmm. area. And so how long were you at that agency? Um, a year and a half about. Okay. And then what, where'd you go from there? And then I switched to an, another retail design firm, um, here in Michigan. And I was there about three years. And what made you make the switch? Was it, was it 
yeah, what what was the the reason for that? I think, and I think it it was kind of just a timing based thing when I did get hired into that first firm. Since I was that first hire for a while, um, and I was pretty fresh out of college, I got a little pigeonholed into almost like paid internship where I was running a lot of tasks. I was kind of in charge of the phones, had to check and see who was coming in the door. If we ever heard the door open, picking up lunches. And I'm not saying that doesn't come from a place where I thought I was above that, but it also became very difficult to also get the design work done and focused with that many interruptions. Absolutely. And I feel too, like if you feel, I know like from going to school for graphic design, you know, the longer you are between doing the work, those skills are going to like, those like hard skills, right? Where you're actually, you know, using the programs, whatever that looks like. I feel like that's, you're going to start to lose that and that would be scary. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So you, so you're there for a year and a half. Let's talk about that place. Um, Do you mind sharing what you were earning when you were working at that role? I can. It's so funny. Um, I I, love to hear it. I'm sure everybody (laughs) will love it. (laughs) Um, 27.5 was my starting salary. Wowzers. And okay, so how many years ago is this? I guess about nine. Okay. Okay. I wonder, like, how would you, how do you think that would compare now? I don't, like, I'm very curious. I am too. I'm not sure. I I almost think a starting salary now would at least be 35-40, I think. Yeah. That's speculation. I could be wrong, but very curious. Um okay, so when you think back to that first firm that you were at, like what were some of the things? Like what were the biggest things that you learned even though you were doing some of the like schleppy type stuff? <laughs> What, what would you say were the biggest things that you learned in that first firm that you worked for? I think um, time management, how okay. quick you have to kick out a concept. Um, definitely the firsthand experience of, not that I was super participatory at the time in client meetings, but having that actual interface with real life clients. Yeah. Um, and then they we ended up getting there was an, another junior designer got hired on a few months after me and they gave us a really wonderful opportunity, which in retrospect was probably a budget based choice, but um, they gave a a local restaurant design project to me and this other junior designer to kind of command on our own. And that was huge. So it was, that was kind of the first experience of really being able to, um, be on a construction site and answer questions that came up from the trades and problem solve. Um, so I would say that was probably the biggest learning experience there. And wh- what is it? Okay. So with this first firm, cause we're, I'm going to ask you the same question about the other one, if there's anything new or relevant to tell sure. me, but um, what was their strategy for managing timelines and, and, you know, how many, do you know how many projects, I mean, this is a long time ago. I fully can appreciate I know. That. <laughs> it's like digging so deep right now, but, um, like, do you remember them juggling a lot of projects? Was it chaotic? And how did they manage multiple projects in the phases that they were in? That I don't really know. I don't, I okay. didn't quite have the global view being a junior. Right. Like having that business kind of global view, I guess. Yeah. And they did, they did a lot of work. I, primarily their work was out of state and sometimes in other countries too. Wow. So yeah, I wasn't totally exposed that in depth to that, that side of things. And okay. So they give you this new project. They're yep. like, Hey, you're going to design a restaurant. Yep. <laughs> Have at her. Um, do they, do they like train you as far as, okay, here are the steps and the client touch points throughout, or did they just go like, go, go get them, go get them. And yeah. I mean, they, they would set meetings. They would say, okay, well, we've got a client meeting this day and we walk in and partake in the client meeting, but we, you know, yeah, we weren't quite like managing the project per se, but right. we were the concepts and helping along with implementation when site questions came up. 
Okay. And then, so then you leave, you leave that, how did that project end up? Like, where did you feel? Yeah. To this day, I think it's one of my favorite. I love to use it as an example. It still exists. And I think it's a pretty well-loved restaurant in the area that it's in. So oh my God. Is it, it's near, in near to my heart. It's in a city named Plymouth in Metro Okay. Detroit. Okay. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's pretty amazing to do in your first year and a half. Okay. So you go to the next firm and you're there for three, you said for three years, I think. Yes. Um, and was it, was it pretty much, did it feel very similar the way they ran things or did, was it a bit of a shock given where you had come from? Not a shock. They did run things different. They had, it was a little bit bigger of a firm. Um, not huge. I, I would say it was about maybe 30 to 35 people. I mean, that's big, I think. Right. It's no, I mean, I guess it's no like Gensler with hundreds and hundreds, but (laughs) um, larger firm. And they had more divided up departments, which was different from the first um, firm that I worked for. So they had a specific, they had two kind of like material library women that really were your go-to resource. They could tell you the latest and greatest rather than having to research it and find it yourself. Um. They had a whole architecture side that you would hand the concept off to and they would actually engineer it and do those sorts of drawings that were necessary. And then they also had kind of their business development lead generation marketing department as well. Wow. It was a little different. Yeah. Um, And what's the biggest thing that you learned from working with them? This... my portfolio grew the biggest, the the most at this, um, second firm that I worked for. Um, I also had one specific creative director that I reported to, which was to me refreshing and nice. I always just had this one point person. Um, I think there was, there were three creative directors total that each had a team of four designers at different levels, whether they had a, a junior plus an intermediate plus a senior and somebody else probably. Um, so yeah, that gave me the opportunity. I started to do a little travel with them, which was fun. Um, they worked for some really interesting big name brands and I had a lot more of that, even more of that client interface and kind of direct working relationship with my specific creative director. So I think that formed a lot, um, of my maybe design trying to think what the proper word to use would be like your aesthetic or not even aesthetic, but just kind of process and opening my eyes a bit more. Okay. To the inner workings of a design firm. I think it just felt a little bit more organized. Okay. So you, would you say that you implemented a lot of like their structure into your own business based on what you learned there? And sorry, was this the last place that you worked before you started your own? It's that not. Math does not add up for me. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you, where else did you work after that? So I actually had, and this is something you and I can probably connect on. It's a little bit of a complicated, convoluted story, but I went back to the original firm at oh. one point, but it was a, it was a restructured, it was the original firm in a new form mm-hmm. offices at this point. Um, it was kind of a different situation. This firm is actually based in Canada also. So we are working with a little sister office of this firm. Um, they're a Canadian-based firm. And What's the name of it? Is that okay to say? Or I'm going to leave that one out. Okay, that's fair. Totally fair. <laughs> I'm with you. Because then, then we can't be as open. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to want to censor yourself. Okay, perfect. Um, and one of the main re- reasons being is I ended up getting let go from that firm the second instant. And how long were you there? Less than a year. Okay. And then what happens? So then what happens is I, well, I think the way that it was restructured, they were working on much more large scale, kind of like mall development, very much more architectural driven projects not very interior design feeling, which was a surprise to me and not something that I excel at. So I was looking at maybe like, you know, this, this store in the mall gets 25 square feet of signage and you're doing kind of this almost like a planogram. And I was like, this is not my wheelhouse. This is much different than I expected. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I wasn't happy 
there and it probably showed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I started really getting bit by the residential design bug. Um, I think I really had my blinders on throughout college that I wanted to go into commercial. Would you say people like were, were your, was your school kind of frowning, frowning upon residential, which is a common thing I've been hearing. I don't know, not quite frowning upon, but it definitely didn't go there. Okay. I think it always was kind of this feeling of commercial design has this level of seriousness to it and um, kind of these more like architectural driven projects, um, which is a bummer to me because Mm -hmm. I find now in residential, I even... I have to know so much more now about how things are built, um, connecting the dots a lot more where verse, versus in the firm, I was just responsible for kind of like cranking out these concepts and didn't necessarily have to think about how this was actually going to become a reality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so you get the bug for residential and then, and then you change firms or you start, now you start your own business. So what I did, I actually worked for Restoration Hardware's interior design team at my local store. Okay. And I used that as a means of testing the waters a bit and seeing if I really would enjoy residential since mm-hmm. I had such the opposite end of the spectrum for so long. Yeah. Um, and I really fell in love with it. I was almost like, I should have I should have entertained residential much sooner. Yeah. But at least you got there, right? I got there. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your business a little bit then. Um, can you, sh- like, what, where have you landed? Because I'm sure you've learned a lot of different ways to price your services. Yeah. So what have you decided, at least at this point, because you're probably going to tweak it forever. Sure. <laughs> um, but what, how are you currently pricing for projects that come in? So currently basing it on hourly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I write my proposals so that they kind of have a 10 hour range. So I'm not locking myself into one number to plan for contingencies. As we know, there's always surprises and, yeah. <laughs> and always unexpected things that happen. So we'll say, you know, we think this job will take 110 to 120 hours. Okay. Do you, with your residential, would you say it's a blend of renovation and like furnishing or is it more furnishing and less renovation? What's the mix on that for you? I think it's actually majority renovation um, mixed in with some furnishing projects. And, And are you at the point right now where it's like, okay, I can go into a house, they have a kitchen. I could probably just quickly say, this is probably going to be X number of hours. Um, to an extent, I don't say it on the spot. I know that's sort of like Kimberly Selden and um, I'm not quite on a spot where I can like bring a proposal and sort of fill in the blank with how many hours. Um, I've considered that. And like you said, it's something that I feel like is in flux and I might totally change this by the end of the year or something like that. Um, but I can at least feel myself having a handle on, based on projects that are now under my belt, um, how many hours that took and was I off a little and should I include a little bit more this time around? Mm-hmm. Um, out of curiosity, like if you were doing a kitchen, for example, what would be your range of hours to do a smallish kitchen? Smallish, I was going to say, depending on the size and how crazy and unique they want to get. Um, and I mean, beginning to end. Sure. With all the project kind of site management? Yep. Depending on the client, I would say probably 50 to 60. Okay. I just ask you that as a gut check. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your hourly rate? 125 right now. Okay. Sorry. I just want to do something. Some math. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I just want to... Yeah. Okay. Because I've more or less... I came up with a minimum at like product or sorry, project fee, which is 5,000. I might change that to say minimum hour fee because seeing a number of Mm -hmm. hours might be a little less gross. 
this is something I'm going to test. I mean, ever since I've changed it, I've had no leads. (laughs) Well, I've had leads, but I haven't had um, anybody kind of, uh, like, I haven't had any consultations. But, um, so I'm just curious. And I I asked that just because I'm curious, like, on a gut check. And that sounds like what I, because I talked to somebody last week, a lead that I had about a kitchen and bath renovation. And I want to say I told them it'd probably be at least 50 hours. Right. So... I was just like, am I completely, like, I felt pretty good about it, but I wasn't sure. Okay. So, and you, so when you say you do a proposal, so you meet with them for consultation. Yes. Do you get on a phone call with everybody or do they just book a consultation with you? I do get on a phone call because I do find sometimes, you know, you get certain inquiries that are maybe, can you come over and style my shelves? And I'm not your girl for that. Yeah. So. (laughs) And do you. What kind of question, like, what are some red flags for you early on when you get a call Ooh, from somebody? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I think, actually, one of my red flags is clients that say, oh, this will be really easy for you. Oh. Or you, you'll be able to do this really quickly. Oh, <laughs> I agree. I that makes my blood boil so hard. Like, <laughs> like you have no idea. if it's so easy, then why aren't you doing it? <laughs> like, oh my God. So annoying. I can't, I can't. Yeah. That's a total red flag. Another one for me too. Uh, I don't, I hate hearing is somebody who's like, I could do it. I just don't have time. It's like, well, I want somebody who like has reached out to me because they don't think they can do it. Like they actually value the artistic side of it. Not just, me doing this so that you have time on your hands. Right. That's just maybe my own thing, but I find myself get a little perked up when I hear somebody come at me that way. I'd rather hear like, I really just don't know. Okay, hold on. Sorry, what's happening? I just got a weird thing that popped up. Okay. Okay. This meeting now has unlimited minutes. It thinks I'm on a group call, which I'm really (laughs) glad that it gave me extra time because you, because of the time, because you, anyway, whatever. Okay. Um, all right. So you meet, you talk to them, then you schedule the consultation. Uh, is it, is your consultation like one or two hours? I always tell them two hours max. Okay. And what do you do in that, in that time? Like, what does that consultation look like? So oh, sorry, I, out of curiosity, did you ever go to a consultation when you were in the firms that you worked with? No. Okay. That's so interesting, eh? And I don't know how they ran that. Like a lot of, there's lots of behind the scenes, like how they were getting clients, what that connection was. If I'm not quite sure. That's a side. That's I so interesting. That, like, it's like when you have a team that big to just never see, to have people who just never see consultations, right? Like that would be like an interesting learning for an employee to, to go along. Like, even if you're just chilling out to see the process to help with learning, but right. anyway, so your consultations, what do they look like? And so my consultations, I think it's still something that I'm perfecting a bit. Um, I do like to, it's something I do charge for. So I do tell the clients that this is a working session. We're going to define your scope of work. We're going to bring images. The more we can talk through, I like to do an image exchange just to make sure we're speaking the same design language. And what do you mean by that, an image exchange? So I'll have them bring inspiration images. Most people nowadays, of course, are some form of Pinterester or collecting images in some sense. At least most of my clients I find are. Um, and then, well, maybe I'm get, getting ahead of myself because I don't bring my inspiration images until they're assigned on. Okay, got it. Concept meeting. Okay, now that um, makes sense to me. Okay. Um, but bringing, if they can bring images to that first meeting that we can talk through and point out and start to zero in on what they are liking about each image, um, the more work we can kind of cover in that first consultation, the better. And so you're, they pull up their Pinterest board probably most of the time yeah. and you just have them kind of talk about each image and try to identify specifically what they're looking for. Right. I'm like, are you focused on a specific piece in here? Is it the overall look and feel that you're attracted to? Um, Is it a specific element in this image that you're focusing on? Because I think sometimes clients do have a hard time defining um, what exactly it is. They know they like this image, but they're not exactly sure why. So I like to walk them through and ask those specific questions to kind of get to the 
heart of the matter. And do you ever have a consultation where they're showing you inspiration images and it's all just so not up your alley that you're just so turned <laughs> off? And what do you, has that happened? Um, probably more when I was first starting out, but I do think we're starting to reach a point where it's becoming apparent kind of a certain aesthetic and style. So I'm not finding, you know, to me, somebody super traditional would just, it'd be so hard for me to help that person. And I'm not finding them coming to us. That's great. Okay. And you keep saying we and us. Is there a we and us or are you just kind of like, do you have any team members? I don't have any team members. I think the we and us comes from, I actually did start with a business partner. Okay. I I might be programmed now to kind of have this. Well, I like it. I want to be programmed. Yeah, no, that's good. And what happened with the business partner just didn't work out or? So she ended up, she um, had a baby in December and basically has taken permanent maternity leave. Got it. Um, so no, it's good. I, I try, I have tried to start saying we and us and I just automatically keep reverting back to I, and I don't like that. Like I want, I want to, you know, cause I do have a team, whether it's people that are like immediately on my team or just like right. the people I work with on the regular, but I just struggle so much. So I always admire people that are like earlier in their business and are already like having that kind of language. I just, I just think it's, it's good. I um, think it's partially from my experience at restoration hardware. Cause they, it's like kind of that strength in numbers. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, okay. So then you do the, the consultation. Um, are you also giving them ideas on like, you know, you could be doing this, this, and this. Since it's a paid consultation, I am free flowing with kind of initial ideas. Throwing them are you just verbally saying them or are you like putting them on paper and I do- documenting anything? Just verbal. Okay. Do you ever have people who want a consultation and they're like, I'm just going to do a consultation only, no project? Or are you identifying beforehand that you only do full service? So this is like the beginning of a full service. You know, I don't explicitly say that, but I also don't have very many one-offs of just consultations. So I'm not sure the correlation. I'm trying to think like what would. Like you just go into it assuming this is going to be full service. You don't even ask the question. You're just like, Hey, you've called me. You want my help. Yeah. You just continue along. Okay. I mean, I think there's something to be said for that. Okay. Of the people that you've had consultations with, like, are you tracking? Like what's, what's your conversion? Like you'd have a consultation, you do a proposal. Are you mostly just getting the project or are you sometimes not? There's, there's definitely a sometimes not, I'm not going to, it's not every time. Um, but I also have not tracked, so I can't tell you an exact percentage. I can guesstimate a percentage. Let's do it. Let's guesstimate. I would say maybe 80 to 85. Okay. Okay. Um, can you remember the last one that didn't move forward? What, What is your consultation fee? Um, 200. Okay. I, okay, the reason I'm asking you this is I'm curious if you feel weird. And I, I think 200 is like a number that's manageable. Like I up my rate to 450 for two right. hours. And sometimes I feel a little weird if like they've paid that and then they don't move forward. Or right. have you ever had a consultation where you're like, I don't want to work with this person? I like that you're looking at, you're looking I, at your list of clients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I am. Um... I mean, the fact that you like, I, I know, I feel like you must not if you have to think that hard. That's fascinating. For some reason, it's like the people, maybe we knew each other weren't a match. It's like the ones that I, okay. I haven't had to face that. I've thought about having to face that experience of saying like, you know, I just don't think we're going to be a match here, but yeah. I haven't had to do that yet. Right. Kind of been, it seems like the ones that have not fully moved forward are also the ones that probably weren't aligned with me. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the back of the board here that you got on the go <laughs> behind you and I love it. So I see a calendar. Like how do you, how many clients do you juggle at once? Like how many do you have right now? So I have six right now 
And this is also something I'm very much working on mastering. And so are they six in like phase one where, what are they varying phases? They're varying. Yeah. And how's that like, is it hard to make, do you have children or anything? No, I don't. Okay. Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, cause then I don't even know how you juggle. Um, how do you, you're trying to figure out how to like slot clients in and right right now, what is, what's your strategy for that? So I've started to, to me, I mean, I don't have a great strategy probably. It's very much what feels kind of overwhelming. I kind of base that on, I'm like, okay, well, I know for a fact, I'm kind of basing on where I see other projects wrapping up. Mm-hmm. If they look like they'll be wrapping in a month. I tell an incoming client that I can't start their project for a month. Mm-hmm. But I know, I mean, I'm, there's plenty of designers out there that have their whole year booked and probably have to tell clients that they're on a six month wait. Yeah. So I'm not quite there, but I'm starting to figure out that flow a bit more and trying to space out projects, but it, I definitely don't have it down to a science at this point. Do you ever feel over? Do I? No, (laughs) no. What I have is like a Gantt chart that, you know, I block out like the best thing that I can, that I do now is like, I have to stick to my processes and I can't let a client try to escalate a project to be done quicker. Like it's, it's okay. If it's one room, we're probably looking at four to six weeks to presentation, but generally speaking, I don't just do one room. It's six to eight weeks. And for me, that, that allows me the flexibility of juggling more. And it's like, if I stick to a six to eight week window, then I can very quickly like map out, you know, these are my current clients and I can then say, okay, I'm going to slot in like all my existing projects into my Gantt chart. And then I can do like fake projects that are scheduled in tiered out that I can be ready if somebody calls to look at it just to say, based on my current workload, then, you know, this is when we'd be looking to start. And then okay. if somebody says to me, cause I think the biggest thing is like the unknown, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if you're going to approve this quickly or if you're going to take three weeks to approve it. Right. And that throws everything off. So I need like, it's very important to me that clients know that like we are on, we, you know, decisions need to be made in a timely manner because, you know, there's schedules that we have to follow and right whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and also why, like, I'm sorry, I know you want this done quicker and I know you want to start tomorrow, but like, I can't work like that. So, so that's the best thing I have, I have, but I just know that like, there were periods in my first year that I had like 12 clients at one time at varying stages, obviously. And it was 12. Yeah. No, it was stupid. They were much smaller projects than they would be today, but it was still like, it's, it's even if to me, even if there's a client that's like in the very final stages and maybe there's just like a struggler thing that I'm dealing with, it's still like occupying space in my brain. Yes. And I don't like that. That's, I always joke about, it's even hard to quantify hours because I'm like, I'm sometimes thinking about your project when I'm sleeping. <laughs> so right. It's so true. It's so true. Like you're thinking about it when you're driving, you're thinking yeah. about it, you know, when you're working, when you're at a store for somebody else, it, like yes. you're so, it's so true. Um, but anyways, yeah, no, it's, it's a really hard nut to crack, which is why I like to ask people that question. Cause I, I would love to hear like, especially people who have multiple designers and multiple projects. It's like, I don't, yes. like, how do you, yeah. Anyway. Okay. A um, chart I have to ask. What's that? A Gantt chart that you mentioned. Oh, okay. A Gantt chart is okay. So if you were looking at an X, Y axis, I don't know which one is the Y and which one is the X, but like the horizontal would be like your date. And for me, it's by like beginning of the week. So it would be like, you know, if we're looking at a calendar, uh, so it's, it's in Excel normally. Well, there's programs okay. that do it, but you say like, okay, <gasps> April 15th, wait, hold on. Like, so the top of it would be like April 8th, April 15th, April 20, 29. And then on the vertical axis would be like client one, client two, client three. And then what you do is you fill in, like you shade in with color, Okay, so client one, phase one is eight weeks. So oh it started God. on April 8th, then you block out eight weeks. 
This is so advanced. And well, it's not really. It's all just like I do it in Google Drive. And then then you see, you just map out all of the dates like across the top on a weekly start basis. And then you know if your project's like three phases, phase one is eight weeks, phase two is four weeks, phase three is, you know, one week, then you can map that out. And you can say to a client, like, so for me too, in my consultation, if I'm talking to a client and I'm saying, hey, and they say, well, how long, like, when do you think if, you know, based on when you think we would start, um, we would be finishing this project. So I would open up my Gantt chart. I would say, okay, based on my current workload, client load, we wouldn't be starting until May 5th. And I can like already map out based on my phases and timeframe. And I mean, it's give or take. Sure. But you can at least say like we probably the earliest we'd be done this project based on your scope would be this or whatever. Wow. Yeah, That's it's really cool. helpful. Yeah. Hmm. Um, are you in my Facebook group? I don't think so. If you go to Business Homies um, on Facebook, I'll, okay. I'll post it and and so just ask request to join. Okay. And I'll post a picture of it and then you can okay. see what I mean more visually. But yeah, um, it's been, it's been very, very helpful. Also for me, I like to be prepared like at a glance and I, I tell on my weekly to do's is review your Gantt chart, like make sure it's up to date because I want, if somebody calls me and they say like, you know, I want to start right away. I just say like, I want to be realistic. This is what we're looking to start so that they know. Okay. Um, so where did you guys, where did you get your clients early on and, and how has that changed? From then till now? Um, I think I did have a couple, I don't want to say lucky, but there were a couple instances where, um, you know, some friends knew that I was planning to start a business and had passed my name along. And then also kind of a funny instance came up with um, a past client from a firm that I worked for had reached out to me to just do some very high level conceptual, basic, basically sketch up, um, models mm-hmm. um, for a restaurant chain. And there was also a local b- builder that connected with me on LinkedIn, um, who was building some shipping container homes in the area. And they wanted to have more of an interior design perspective on the layouts and, um, all of that. So I had a, a handful of maybe what would be seen more sort of like freelance opportunities um, come my way. And it got to a point where I was, I was doing this while I was still working full time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it reached a point where I was just felt like I I was running myself into the ground. I was going 24 seven. And so eventually it reached that point where I was like, okay, I'm now's the time I'm going to take this, this leap before I totally run myself into the ground. So that was kind of my runway to take that jump. Um, and now I actually do have a couple, a few clients that um, I knew from my experience at Restoration Hardware that had followed me um, to continue work in their homes. And a lot now, I would say majority work now is referral-based and a smaller percentage, I would say maybe 15% through Instagram. Uh, well, that's good. And do they normally just DM you? Um, sometimes DM and sometimes I think it does direct them to the, our website and then they email from there. Okay, let's talk about Instagram because you do not have that many posts for the number of followers you have. <laughs> How did you do that? I'm not sure. I think I'm very, I do a lot of stories and I'm very choosy with what actually gets posted to the feed. Right. But it grew organically. Okay. When did you start your Instagram? I want to say it was either June or July of 2017. Yeah. Cause I mean, just because like, I'm like, damn it to have that many posts like little I'm always fascinated like how did they get so many followers with so little posts it's like (laughs) constantly chasing that number but anyway okay um how do you so do you do any furnishing projects or would you say mostly you're doing like you do okay yes and so what uh what do you do with your trade discounts so currently 
I am splitting it 50-50. Okay. And this is something I'm highly considering changing because this is probably one of my pain points, I would say, is tracking all of that during the purchasing phase. I think I'm creating a ton of work for myself. What, how do you, do you have a tool that you use to manage your project, your, your purchasing? Very antiquated spreadsheet. I would definitely look into Ivy <laughs> or whatever. Sure. I, I use Ivy. I love Ivy. And I, I you're going to get a lot of like, you know, varying op- opinions about Ivy on account of the house thing. Yeah. Um, I just think it's dramatic, but, um, <laughs> but they're growing at a very rapid pace and I think they have the money to back them and they're, um, you know, everybody's always complaining about something. It's like any type of software. I think just people need to have a more perspective um, yeah. because they will say, oh, we're going to launch this and it takes longer or whatever. But I mean, having been in the corporate world and launching things, like I, I guess I just, I get it and I have a little bit more, I'm not sure. as angry about that sort of thing. It's like... Give them time to figure out the kinks. Yeah. Kinks. But anyway, yeah. it's an amazing tool. And I, I think if you're doing a lot of purchasing... Yeah, I think it's the, for the 79 bucks it is a month, like that, that's like one client will cover the fee and it's so worth it. It's so much easier. It's going to save your life. I think it's going to make your life so much easier. Yes. It's very intuitive too. So, um, yeah. Okay. So let's see, we already talked about that. We talked about that. Um, so, so what does your process look like after the client signs? Like, I would love to hear kind of like how the project starts um, and what the touch points are after that. Like when do you set up meetings sure. until you get to that final approved design? Sure. Um, I always like to do, I, I'm a big, big fan of the programming research initial concept phase. Um, so I always do like to do an initial concept meeting and that's more that image exchange that I mentioned okay prematurely, um, that's where that takes place. So I'll bring um, to the table kind of maybe one or two, well, likely two visual concepts based on the information they told me at the consultation and taking cues from the architecture of their home and the context of their home, what I see fitting and appropriate for the space that we're working on. And then that's really a checkpoint to make sure that we're tracking on the same lines because what I might think is modern in my head, they might visualize something different when they hear the word modern. Okay. So this, this sounds like such an easy concept, but somehow my brain overcomplicates it. So you show up to the meeting with two images. I assume you have them in like a deck and you're like, okay. And do do a little collage, a little collage and And, and what two, okay. When you say two images, do you mean two separate collages or do you mean two interior two separate collages? Oh, okay. That makes way more sense. Okay. And can you describe to me what a collage might look like? Um, and how you would, and do you add verbiage onto the collage or do you just show up with a collage and you verbal, verbally explain? Um, I behind have- it? a little bit of verbiage, not a ton okay. more of a discussion. It's m- more of something we can reference as we have a conversation about it. Okay. So what types of images might you have on there and what might you say? So let's pretend I'm the client right now. You have a collage in front of me and now you're ex- explaining your way through it. Maybe think of a recent collage that you did or something. So I think I would show a recent one I did. I had one that showed probably more of a trick slightly more transitional sort of okay. feel to it. And that would comprise of um, various images of spaces, it's typically always spaces, to kind of communicate that, capture that look and feel that I'm trying to communicate. And, and then- so, Okay, sorry, keep going. No, well, the second, like the second collage might be a little bit more contemporary swung. 
Got it. So, okay. This is where I like, do you find that clients get really fixated on the specifics of the images and you really have to, so for example, if you have a bunch of images, might you say something like, okay, we're doing your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've pulled together some, the, the mood I'm thinking more of a white kitchen. So there's a lot of kitchens with white, sure. um, for, you know, a, a, a subway tile that's like, or a backsplash that's a subway tile, maybe some benches that have a nice texture, but like, it's like, how do you make sure that they don't get so fixated? Cause I find anytime I show pictures of anything to clients, they're like, Oh, well that bathtub's too high. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and how, how much, like at the end of it, do you feel like you stuck to that vision? And you know what I mean? Is it kind of yeah. like, I have an image here that's representing the subway tile and the, the what I'm thinking about for subway tile. And right. I hope I'm making sense, but it's, so you are. it's like the stupidest thing for me to get like hung up on, but no, no, <laughs> no it's a good thing to bring up. And it's funny too, because I think, one of my big things is in a certain way, tailoring the experience to clients because each client can be very different. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like sticking to an overarching process, but I do sort of like the psychology and figuring out the client. Yeah. So I do have certain clients that are more specific than others that mm-hmm. would maybe get fixated on like, well, I just the height of this bathtub is just insane to me or something. Um, but I do try to encourage them. I say, we're really focusing on the overall look and feel. Mm-hmm. Picture yourself in these spaces. How do you want to feel at the end of the day when you're in your home? So yeah. I try to get them in that mindset. And then, okay. So then you, so this is like the, what did you, what do you call that meeting? And do you do it in person? Yes, I do. Okay. And they came to you too with some images. Okay. Right. They're bringing images too. Is that what you asked? Yes. I encourage them to. Some are better than others with it. Some that really struggle with it often excel at bringing pictures of things they hate. That's great. Rather than things they like. Yeah. That's very useful to me as well. So sometimes if it seems, if I can tell they're struggling in that department, I said, how about you bring me something you would just die if I put in put in yeah like die in a bad way in a bad yeah Um, not in a good what happens if you show up with two concepts and then they show you inspiration images and it's like neither of your concepts are that are you just going okay this is great very helpful (laughs) through would you come back with a new concept board that reflects the new ideas that you've seen you know, I think I would just start to dig further and to me I think that would feel like a, a miss from the initial consultation. That maybe I didn't ask enough questions in that initial consultation or misunderstood something in that in- initial consultation if, it, if they end up bringing something that's way off base. Yeah. And you know what? I think I need to add to my initial consultation more review of inspo images and really discussing the look and feel. I think it's helpful. And like I said, everyone's different. Some clients are more design-minded and already have a Pinterest board running mm-hmm. and others... I've had some that are like, well, where do I look for images? And I'm like, you can rip out pages of a magazine. You can go on this thing called Pinterest if you've never heard of it. Yeah, Yeah, but be careful because you may never leave. Or be careful, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you do the concept presentation and then what happens next? So from there, I really like to nail and focus, nail down the floor plan. Because to me, at the end of the day, if it doesn't, if it's a floor plan that they're not happy with, that's my next big step because you can apply whatever materials and finishes and house it in materials in different ways. Yeah. So I really like to get that nailed down to a place that they're comfortable with. And that does that like, is it a floor plan meeting? Is it in person? It is another in-person meeting for me, but I also, I guess I start to bring like, I'm, I mean, I have, swatches sitting next to me here so I start to bring at that point conceptual materials and start layering in I like it so you might say like what for that one for example you might say like I'm thinking about this for the drape yes yeah and then and then and then they might be like ooh, or they might like I hate it so you're starting what other things might you bring in at that meeting that's probably honestly 
the majority, um, depending on the size, if it's one room versus a full house, I might bring a conceptual SketchUp model as well. Okay. Just kind of color blocked. Nothing too specific. Not every finish down to a T, but being able to give them an idea of what it would feel like layout wise in the space. Yeah. Do you also bring, like, if you're doing a renovation, like tile samples in that one? I might. Yeah. I, might. I, I, I work out of my home, but I do have a select, I try to limit it, my in-home materials library that I have here. So typically I have a lot that I can sort of pull from to at least get initial feedback without spending hours at the design center looking for the tile. Right. Okay. So you do the floor plan, they approve the floor plan and then what? And then I think the third let's, meeting, wait, let's pretend it's a renovation that you're okay. working on, like a kitchen. Yep. So what would happen next? You, you got that floor plan improved. Um, so from that point, I would get very specific and I'm not a true kitchen designer. So I always partner with a local kitchen and bath showroom to actually produce the cabinetry drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would produce maybe an initial layout. Yeah. In CAD. So at that point, that's when we start just getting kind of a funneling in process of getting more and more specific. Okay. Wouldn't would that be the same thing if you were doing a bath? I think so. Yeah. 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 You would work with like a I mean if you weren't getting if you were uh, That's yeah. a good question, actually. I guess depending on the type of maybe not so much a bath. Okay. Okay. And so they're, they're going to do up some drawings, but you're going there on your own first. You're going to pull together the drawings. Are you the one presenting there or are they going to present with you there to your client, the kitchen people? Um, I would be presenting. Okay. And they know though fully, like this is the company. Right. And you're like, is it the company they've suggested or the one that you've suggested? Or I've, done it, I've done it both ways. I am always, I like to be very upfront with clients and say, I have places that I've had good experiences with and can recommend if they have worked with somebody that they are just over the moon about and had a really great experience and want to use, um, if they can obviously, I guess, accommodate the style that we're looking for, I'm happy to work with them. Okay. And so then they approve. Okay. So then are you getting just the, now like the elevations approved and specifically before you ever get to finishes like tiles and countertops? I think we start the materials at that point, but really. Okay. really I'm true. sorry that we're going a little later than expected, but I'm very curious on people's process. Okay. So, okay. What does that process look like early on the selecting of tile? And do you just have one showroom you always go to? I have a couple. I've, we have the Michigan design center is about 12 minutes up the road from, from me. Um, so I do use them a lot. And then we also have um, another area quite close by that we call tile row. And there's just a bunch of tile manufacturers basically in the same industrial complex. Right. Well, I've got my favorites. I do have my yeah. favorite, like primarily, I would say there's two to three that I primarily use. Mm-hmm. For that. And so you're, you're then starting to say like, cause you have you probably already gotten a little bit of buy-in about of like, okay, I'm thinking a really um, statement backsplash. Yeah. Yeah. We're down before you would ever present that. Or might you just go guns blazing with like, we were going to do subway tile, but I saw this and I wanted to run it by you. I won't say that might never happen, but typically it's more, we've got a little bit of buy-in and a vision that we're, that we're running towards. And then I also like to always have that, initial concept kind of image collage situation as something to refer back to throughout the process if they start questioning something. Yes. It's like, remember when? Yes. (laughs) This is is the overarching goal. Yeah. And this is why this material works and gets us to that goal. Right. And so like, okay, for example, backsplashes, mm-hmm. when you're having conversations in the consultation or the concept board or the concept meeting, mm-hmm. are you having those conversations about like, you know, what's your thoughts on backsplash? Like, would you say that or would you just come to them and, and present them based on, okay, I saw in your inspiration that most of them were very subtle backsplashes. Is that just mentally what you're noting and then going with it? Or are you actually asking the questions? 
I think to me, it, it does feel very intuitive. So I think I'm sort of sponging things in along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of implement that. I'm asking these questions so deeply because I don't do renovations and I've been getting a lot more inquiries. Okay. So I'm just curious about like, you know, cause you don't want to schlep around a bunch of tile. That's super heavy. Like you want to kind of know where you're going. Do, yeah. do you have the clients meet you at the tile showroom or do you bring all the tile to them to approve? You know, I've done it both ways. I prefer to bring the tile to them. I prefer to do the looking on my yeah. own. Because otherwise it's like shiny object syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can get crazy. <laughs> yeah. Do you find, okay, you, you present them with tile. Is it normally pretty easy breezy or do you then, okay, we didn't, we didn't nail it. I'm going back to get new tile and then going back again to the client. That's a great question. It varies. I, I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I, I have a project right now that has a large kitchen, a kitchenette, in six or seven bathrooms. So that, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I got that going on right now too. <laughs> so that this process is, there is a lot more back and forth than yeah. if it was just a kitchen. Right. Okay. So you do though, you, you're not having them come to the showroom. I tend to not. Yeah. I have done it. I might still do it if it really, if it's something they really push for and, and feel like they need to do that filtering process themselves yeah and when Um, you have that many when you have that many um bathrooms and kitchen yes do you try to just start with one or do you try to go like I'm going to bring you tile up like our first meeting I'm bringing you tile options for all the all of them and hopefully we're going to get some really good information or do you kind of phase it this one we're we're guns blazing we're trying to do it all Mm -hmm. and do you and these are stupid questions, but I'm asking no. them anyway. <laughs> Go for it. Like you got a bathroom, for example, right? Yeah. Like for me, what I've done is like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I want there to be a tile feature on this wall. Right. I'm starting with that conceptual idea before I ever source the tile, right? Is that the right way to approach it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, don't know, I can't say officially what might be right or wrong, but I, that, that is similar to what I do. Okay. Okay, good. It's like, again, a gut check. Um, And okay. Now when you're doing, when you're doing, okay, these, no, never mind. I'm going to leave that (laughs) on because I feel like we're, we should probably wrap up. Um, Okay. What would you say, last question, what would you say is the biggest thing in the last year and a half that you've learned um, that you would like to share or the biggest mistake that's happened that you're like, not doing that again? Wow. I would say, I don't know if this is way too generic, but truly trusting your gut. Mm. I do base a lot on instincts and that gut feeling. And I think everyone, especially starting out, you do have instances where, where you ignore that gut feeling. And Are you saying in particular with like clients or in general with even for like, trust your gut when it comes to designing a space? I think both. Okay. Because definitely with clients. And also I have had moments in designs where I'm like, I I don't know if this is quite, quite right yet. The client is okay with it, but I'm not sure this is the exact right material. And I had ignored that gut instinct Mm. and went along with it. And then when it comes, it's not like it, it turned out like a terrible, terrible situation, but there's something just at the end of it where I'm like, you know, I, I do think that wasn't 100% the correct selection maybe. Oh my God. There's so many times I've done that where I'm it's so true where I find myself saying, Michelle, you, there was a moment that you ignored. That yes. you, now it's creeping back up. Like whether you were like, um, maybe I'm not going to, um, you know, maybe I'm not going to talk about this to with the client. Cause it just seems like more information than they need. And then later, sure. like, so yeah, I, I think that's good advice, like generic or not. I think we all need to be reminded of that because I think we can all agree that we've all been there. Sure. <laughs> so like maybe when your gut's saying something, at least everybody can like pump the brakes and say, okay, there might be a reason I need to, yeah, I need to listen to this and do whatever that means. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you? 
Sure. I mean, you can definitely check us out on our website, which is just www.designbardetroit.com. And then things are always really popping with behind the scenes on our Instagram, which is just at designbardetroit. How freaking amazing is it that I get to talk to so many designers from across the world, ask them my burning questions, and you get to listen in and learn and, and grow as well. I am so freaking honored that anybody takes the time to talk to me. And I am also so very thankful for all of your reviews last week, guys. I'm going to read a couple right now. Actually, I think I'm just going to read one because I think I already read these and I have to toggle I have to toggle back and forth from the country. It's annoying. But <clears throat> on the Canadian side of things, here's what I've got on the go. Best interior design business podcast. My God, that is quite an amazing, that's an amazing statement. This was on April 25th. It was Seville 19. So shout out to Seville 19. Here's what she had to say. I can't explain how much I love listening to these episodes, whether I'm in the car, the kitchen, or the office. I'm so thankful. Listening to your processes and how others manage their business is just so inspiring. I love your hustle and your drive. I know this podcast is just the very beginning for you, girl. Keep these up, those episodes coming. I can't wait to listen. I'm just so grateful for, I'm so grateful for the, all the kind words people are sending me. It's honestly keeping me so motivated to keep this podcast going. Um, who knows where this could go? I always think about like, what next? What, what could this potentially lead to? I have no idea, but I'm so thank you. I'm just so thankful that anybody's listening and people aren't just listening, but like actually enjoying it. <laughs> I'm on, this is going to be episode what? Episode 33. It's crazy. I have been completely consistent all year too, which is also incredible to me. I have put out a new episode every single day since January 30th, or sorry, every single day. Can you imagine? Every single week since January 30th consistently, and I'm not planning on stopping anytime soon. So I'm not going to say this will be a forever thing, but it's definitely for the next little while, or at least until I talk to Studio McGee, Amber Interiors, and Larkin Lennon, right, peeps? Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you this week. I'm thinking about doing a solo episode next week. Um, Someone asked about my styling process, so I'm going to get in real deep on that, and we're going to keep that conversation going because episode 31 and 32 was heavily on this topic, Grey Oak Studio, Lindsay Borchard. Also, guys, Lindsay Borchard is coming back for part two, so that's very exciting. You know who else is coming back for part two? Veronica Solomon. So good things are up ahead, guys, and I'm just so, so full in my heart. Anyways, that's oh also if anybody has ideas on a new name for the podcast, so far all I've got is real talk design. I'm open, I want it to be cute, I want it to be kind of cool, um, but not embarrassing like business homies is. <laughs> I know some people are saying like it's cute and it and it whatever it is, it's fine, it's cute, but I want something that doesn't feel like it's followed by a little bit of shame on my end. You know what I mean? Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you this week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, peeps.